Give me a little marker here. All right. Oh, I think this might not be the best time, but did you see what happened with the audio last week? Because they're all separate files. But yours sounded a little bit lower. Yeah, but what I'm referring to is at the beginning of it, you can hear me sounding off because they were all the multi tracks were all. Yes, because I didn't I didn't delete the top channels. You know what I mean? So that's so, what I got to pay attention to. All right. Uh, we got the marker. We're good to go. Whenever you're ready, you let me know. I'm ready. Chief. All right. We'll go right now. In three, two. Yo, what's going on, y'all? It's your boy, So-So, in case you ain't no so and welcome back to another dope episode of Sports with So-So. Coming to you live, y'all. This week, the Marlins finally break the losing streak and get a win at home. Was it at home? Yeah, it was at home. Of course it was at the Rockets. Messi dazzles on his inner Miami debut. We got an unlikely winner at the Open Championship, and the fight of the year is happening this weekend. Kind of take a ride, y'all. Let's go. Bow, bow, bow. All right. We're going to go in a minute and a half. In five, four, three, two. Yo, what's going on, y'all? It's your boy, So So, in case you ain't no so. And welcome back to another dope episode of Sports with So So. Coming to you live, y'all. This week, the Marlins finally break the losing, uh, losing streak. I had it. <coughs> Fuck. Okay, going in two hey, minutes. Real quick, before we start, um, let's. Try to keep a, uh, I'm going to keep an eye on the tw- tw- 10 to 12 minutes of us speaking about it and try to push the other ones into the next topic. All right. That way we can try to wrap it up a little bit sooner than anything else and not go too crazy. Here we go. In three, two. What's going on, y'all? It's your boy, So-So, in case you ain't no so And welcome back to another dope episode of Sports with So-So. Coming to you live, y'all. This week, the Marlins finally break the losing streak and get a win at home. Messi dazzles on his inner Miami CF debut. We got a very unlikely winner across the pond at the Open. And the fight of the year is happening in boxing this weekend. It's time to take a ride, y'all. Let's go. Here with that. Here we go. Three, two. Um, um, what's going on, my boy? You're, I already know. <laughs> out here in these streets, just by out here, you know, we out coming here, off a victory in the shanks, you know, feeling good. I bet, man. That was a nice round you put up. Hey, like I saw it. That was a nice round. Couple of shout birdies. out to everybody in the shanks. Yeah. Shout out to the boys, man. It was a good, good outing. Hot as shit. Bro, this weekend was freaking unbearable. This, week, no, this whole month has been it's miserable. Just been, it's been melting sun, dog. Like, you step outside and you're melting. 
You know I've, I mean? I've, I've lost six pairs of shoes this week just from the bottom <laughs> of them burning on the sidewalk. Well, shit, I hope they weren't the Jays that you were on the nah, golf course. they were right? cheap. That's you, why they're melting. All right, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I rock Gotta cheap keep... shit off the course. <laughs> of course. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's funny? I still put my, I got my Nike shoe bag and I always keep my shoes in there until I'm in the cart, like <laughs> on the first tee. It's like, oh, we're ready? Okay, now I'm going to put my shoes on. I used to do that, though. I don't do that as much anymore, though, because if I have so much shit now when I go out there most times. Like, I have, yeah. like, the half guy in, yeah. I have the camera, the drone. It's like, just put my shoes on in the car. It's one less thing for me now. You're pretty soon you're going to need to pull up to the golf course with a fucking <laughs> carry-on. A little carry-on and shit. Shit, well, I'm getting now. I got that Lulu backpack, dog. Yes, sir. Ooh, shout out Lululemon one time. The unofficial sponsor oh, of the show, for sure. <laughs> for sure, the unofficial sponsor of the show, man. Um, yeah, that bag is badass, bro. Hell that yeah. bag is badass, and I had my eye on it for a while. Yeah, though, yeah so. dog. So it's going to make it easy to pull up with all the cameras and, and tripods and all that good stuff. So absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know who hasn't been making it easy for us, bro? It's the freaking Marlins, dog. Ah. Those guys have been killing me. Yeah, dog. Killing me, dog. I feel like a, uh, a Native American uh, watching a, a, white, a white person just <laughs> Jesus litter on the ground. You know, like I just had a single tear. Yeah, dog. Watching this last like two weeks of the Marlins after this all-star break, dog, has been brutal. It, it has been rough, man. And, and especially with like the momentum that they had going into all-star break, yes. right? Like they were winning a bunch of games. Yes. We were so far ahead. In, uh, 14 games over 500. Uh, like leading the, the wild card with enough space right to kind of go back into it and these last two series have been just brutal for the Marlins bro you get you get swept by the Cardinals right on the road after getting swept at Baltimore and you're like wait a second bro we got a fucking six game losing streak going on here well maybe we can right the ship you know by by performing against the Rockies when, when we come home that shit that wasn't the case either and either and the 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 one thing that really troubled me about the Cardinals series is that you know we lost a lot of these games that we were leading in. Right. You know, not only did the Marlins just go through their worst stretch of the season with this losing streak of eight games, but, you know, it, it just hasn't been Marlins baseball that we've seen, right? Where guys are getting hits, the pitchers are pitching well, the bullpen is, is doing their job. A lot of things have gone wrong, man, with with, uh, with the Marlins as of late. And, uh, bro, even, even in that second game series against, uh, the second game in the series against the Cardinals, like, we gave up, you know, a 10th inning, three run, walk off home run to a guy who's been a notorious Marlins killer in, in Nolan Arenado. And the Marlins decided to pitch to him in that specific instance. And of course, this guy's going to hit a fucking bomb to end the game. Right. Those are the things that at the, home for them. Yeah, man. But but what I, what I was going to say is that those were the things that the Marlins were avoiding you know, early on in the season, we were really avoiding those crucial mistakes, those crucial mistakes, the bullpen blowing saves and stuff like that. We were avoiding that for a, a good portion of the season. And then now the second half has just really gone off to a, a really bad start, bro. And some people are even saying it's the curse of Yuri Perez, you know, because it just so happens that we send this dude down. And then all of a sudden the team loses this mojo and, and we're fucking losers again. Coincidence? I, I think, think not. I think not. <sighs> No, yeah, it does suck. It, it does suck, man. I mean, I I don't know. I I don't know what is going on. Why we're we're not closing out games, you know, the way we have been doing in this first half, um, especially against a, a team like St. Louis. You know, when we covered it, you know, before pregame, you know, that was a team that is struggling this year. You know, is definitely beatable. I was even saying, going as far as saying, yeah, I think we can take the full, you know, uh, series on these guys. Right, three games. Right, they swept us. 
So I don't know if it's karma <laughs> that I said that. I'll take full responsibility for the Marlins. What That's perfectly man, fine. But uh, that 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 next series, bro, they just they didn't even show that they like really were pissed off that they just got swept two series in a row. You know what I mean? And and we were looking for some type of response from the pitching staff. Yeah. That's what we were looking for. The hitting hasn't been the issue. Like I said, two of the games against the Cardinals, we were leading, leading in the game, and even got late leads. So it was very winnable. But the bullpen breaks down, started pitching breaks down. And even Sandy in game three against the Cardinals gave up four runs in the first inning. Settled after that. Didn't give up a run for the rest of the, the five innings that he pitched. But yeah, well, yeah, what, type of, what type of head start are you giving yourself? Too, too big a hole. You know what I mean? And even for the team. And the team came back and put up three runs in the next two innings. So they, they were competing. But when you put yourself in such a hole like that with a team that doesn't have superstars isn't you know what i mean like you're really putting this team in a tough position to perform offensively because we're not those home run big team you know one of those teams that are are big into the home runs or hitting a bunch of home runs in every game nah, on the contrary you know um even that first game against the the rockies you're thinking all right the martins are back home we just got swept twice on the road it's like this is the game that we gotta win and braxton garrett for for as well as he's pitched this year, right? When he's on, the dude is on and almost unhittable. But when he's off, it's ugly. And he gave up three home runs that game. And that shit was ugly. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's why I said, like I said earlier, like the the, the pitching kind of had to pick up its slack for the Marlins recently. And they just haven't been able to do so, bro. They just haven't been able to do so. So we lose that game. Now we're on a seven-game losing streak. We lose six to one. Weren't even in that game, right? So then we go from being what 13, 14 games over five hundred to half that. To barely there. And even right that, now, cut that in half in a week. Big time. And and the the implications of losing like that, yeah. right, is major because we went from leading the wild card to now we're in a three-way tie, you know, with three other good teams in the NL. To get, try to get that last position, everybody's within one game of each other. Literally, it's half a game for the first three or four teams, and then one full game for the sixteen. So, Marlins were, like I said, leading that race, and that's where we wanted to be. We wanted to be in pole position for the wild card. All types of of teams go through this type of up and down, right? Any type of these situations where you lose some, and then you you find yourself winning again. I'm wondering if the Marlins have it in them, this young team, right, has it in them to go out there and start another winning streak. Because that game, too, against the Rockies, uh, it wasn't pretty, you know what I mean? But it was another game where the Marlins got up, we were ahead, and then we had a meltdown by the bullpen. Um, JT Chargroyce, I don't know, I have a hard time pronouncing that guy's name, so I always just call him JT. But he gave up a home run to, to tie the game, and then after that, you know, we, we, we put another relief pitcher in there, Tanner Scott, right? Because A.J. Puck has been struggling, as we saw in the Giants in the Baltimore series, as we saw in the Cardinals series. So it was like, maybe we give this guy a break. Maybe he's, you know, a little bit overloaded. We throw Tanner Scott in there, and he gives up the game-winning hit. These are just games that is, we— Is it just a, a couple of weeks of bad beats and breaks? Maybe, bro. Maybe. Because even game three, right? Like, Sandy had a good start. Did his thing, pitched well, but it, it it didn't, it wasn't shut down Sandy. And unless we're getting shut down Sandy when he pitches, all of those games that he's in, instead of it being an automatic W for us, they're becoming a little bit more of a question. The only pitcher who's really been consistent this year has been, 
Yuri Perez, right? He played and pitched incredible for the time that he was up. And Jesus Lazardo. That's another dude who's been very consistent showing up, uh, start after start after start, and just giving the Marlins five innings of quality pitching, six innings, seven innings of quality pitching. That's what you want. You don't need, need. Right. You don't need him to go out there and dominate. Don't go out there and be fucking Randy Johnson, you know, but go out there and keep the team, the game within a run. Right. Keep it zero, zero. If you, if you have to, I don't know what the Marlins are going to do. You know, we, the, everything we just rattled off right now is a summary of the last couple you know, games or a few games that we've had. You know, Sandy to give a four home runs early in the game. Yeah, not not four not, home runs, four runs. Four, I'm sorry, but he four did runs. give up a yeah, home, run. home runs. Four runs, misspoke. Um, that's not that's unlike him. You know what I mean? For uh, us to to give up that run to Nolan Arenado, you know what I mean? Like, like you know what I'm saying? Like, you get all these that are just like, damn, this it's just a bunch of bad beats. But managed to close out that series with a victory. Thankfully. And snapped the losing streak. And it was done by none other our I best mean, players who, of the season. Who, who the all-star, you know what I'm saying? Luis Arias. <laughs> still batting under 400. You know, he's at 380, 379 right now. But still, just the, the, the fact that this dude can come up with timely hitting over and over and over and over again. All right, Marshawn. No, it has to be like that because he's been the only one consistent. 100%. You know what I mean? When it comes to getting big hits, everybody else has contributed, which is what we want them to do, but we need that clutch guy. Last year it was Jazz for us. This year it's Luis. So can't be mad at him and his performances. Um, You know, that was actually his first career walk-off hit. He got in the bottom of the 10th inning. Uh, The Marlins ended up winning that game. And, um, you know... He was three for four with another double. He's 22nd of the season. So it's not like he's just getting singles. No, this dude is also putting himself in a position to score and bring guys in. Because if you're on first and somebody hits a double, you have a really good shot at scoring on that. But we need somebody else to be the big bat. Jorge Salera has kind of t- dropped off a little bit, been kind of quiet, hasn't really hit a lot of home runs since since uh, before the All-Star break. We still haven't seen Jazz come back, even though he's slated to come back uh, at the tail end of this week. But we need more pitching. We need more pitching. And I think that's what we can walk away from the Cardinals series and the Rocky series. We saw Johnny Cueto come back, pitch in relief, look really good, get a start, pitch really good, and just give himself an opportunity to get back into the flow of things. And I think that the Marlins really do need his vibe right now because he, not only is he a veteran pitcher, a guy who can keep those games, you know, low scoring, one, one to one, one zero, you know, two, two run games and just give the Marlins a shot and not really blow up. Now he'll have his occasional start, just like every other pitcher where you get bombarded, right? And guys got your number that day and they're hitting the ball left and right out of the park. That's going to happen. But we need somebody to come in with a calming presence and say, guys, don't worry. This was just a bad time in the season. Let's move on from this. This literally was the worst stretch that the Marlins have gone through all year long. And for us to say that, Joel, at this point in the season, says a lot about how good this Marlins team has been this year and what we're expecting to see from them in the rest of the season, right? We want to see them keep that competitive edge. But we're going to need something to kind of spark it. I don't know if it's the return of Jazz, um, if it's Cueto getting back into the starting rotation. Do we bring up Yuri back, right, to get the vibe going again in the locker room? Maybe it's a guy like T-Raw coming in and solidifying the bullpen because we need as many arms as we can there. Do we make a trade with the trade deadline coming up? All of these little things are available for the Martins. It's just, it, for me, it's interesting to see what they're going to pick 
to kind of like kickstart the second half of the season for them. All right. Well, you just mentioned something really good. The the trade deadline. The yeah. Major League Baseball trade deadline is coming up. I believe it's uh, next Saturday. Uh, Correct. I don't know exactly what day that is. August 6th, I think, or something like that. I'll confirm. Or or is it if it's this Saturday, July 29th. Um, yeah, it might be July 29th. It might be this Saturday com- coming up, actually. Yes, it is. Um, what have you heard about Marlins? August potential? 1st. It's uh, August 1st? Yeah. Uh, what have you heard about potential, you know, moves for the Marlins as far as if if we're maybe going to get somebody or if we are already in conversations, who are we looking to give up? We're de- well, I don't know about who we're looking to give up, right? Because in, with that, like, you're always looking at what's the most valuable for the Marlins. And it's always been prospects, right? So if we have to dip into the bag of, say, here's something super valuable, it's going to be a prospect. I don't think it's going to be a player that's on the roster right now, sure, right? I mean, okay. I don't think we're trading a Jazz, you know what I'm saying? Or uh, Araez. Or Araez, or even a Jesus Sanchez. Like, we're not we're not getting a Segura. We're not getting rid of none of those guys, right? Those guys aren't going to be in trade discussions, I think. I think that it'll be more like, hey, let me get a relief pitcher. Let me get a starting pitcher. Let me get a bat that I can insert into the lineup. And here's... One of our top 10 prospects, something like that. Um, but everything that the, that I'm reading as far as trade rumor goes with the Marlins is they're looking at getting, getting a bat, you know, and, and, the, and which is crazy because the Marlins are typically always a team that sells and not necessarily buys at the all-star or at the trade deadline. But this year it's evident that they need to buy something in order to make the team Better. I don't want. I don't want to say better because this team is good, but it needs. Yeah, we need, we need it to, needs we something else. Improve. Yes, it needs improvement. Um, what do we got coming up now this week? Let's see, man. Uh, the the like I said, the most important thing that the Martins could look for for a trade is either some bullpen help immediately. Right, we got to get somebody in the bullpen or go get a bat. Those are the two things that the Martins are looking at as far as trade goes. Uh, and then what's coming up now, uh, we actually got an in-state rivalry going on uh, always, right, with Tampa Bay. We're heading up there for two games, which is an away game, but it's not really an away game. And the Rays are hot this year. The Rays are hot. They're in a battle just like we are. They're in a battle for the AL East with Baltimore, with Boston, with New York. Um, and those teams are all really competing for playoff positioning. So those teams are kind of, quote-unquote, in playoff mode. Are the Marlins going to ramp up and say, hey, we're one of those teams that have to be in playoff mode. Every game counts for us. I'm interested to see that because if they do make that decision, then this team is going to look a lot different than what we saw. It. We're going to see this team very concentrated. Um, you know, we're going to see this team have some type of improvement, whether it's a bat or a pitcher. But we're going to see a different version of this Marlins team, a better version, I'm hoping. Uh, but obviously, we're going to see a different version of this team. I, I really hope we can turn it around, man. We had such a strong first half of the season that it would be just a waste, a waste, a waste of that first half. You know, all the stats and that I is batting 400 and all the, all the good things that happen to us. You know, if, if we can't make at least something happen, if, if we play well, we bounce back and we still get beat out at the end of the day, we, we don't make the playoffs or we get knocked out of the wild card or suck. whatever. That would suck. Because everybody else plays to a whole nother level and, and at least we're still, all right, whatever, that's one thing. But like, if we just give it away, like we just kind of lay down, like, yeah. I'm not saying these last six games, you know, seven games that we lost, we were laying down. But like, if the season continues that way, that's how it's going to be perceived, obviously, by fans. So we need to make sure that uh, we get some more dubs. Let- I know there's tough times ahead. 
But uh, we did it. We, we can do it again. It's very possible. It's very possible to win with this Marlins team because we've seen it over yeah. and over this year, right? So let's go up to Tampa Bay uh, starting tonight. By the time you guys are listening to this recording, that's Tuesday and Wednesday, a quick turnaround, comeback, and then start a weekend series against uh, the Detroit Tigers, who, cool enough, if you're an OG Marlins fan, they're going to be showing a lot of love to um, Miguel. Miguel Cabrera this weekend when he comes down because obviously he's getting older in in his and in, into his career, um, who knows how long he's going to keep playing baseball for? But the Marlins are going to show him some love. You know what I mean? They've been doing the retro things and all of that, and he's one of the guys who were wearing the pinstripes when the Marlins came out. So it'd be cool. Miggy won the triple crown, right? Yeah, yeah. As soon as he left here, legend, dude. It was a legend. Dude is a legend, and we gave him away for shit. That's what the Marlins. That's the Marlins things. The that's, Marlins way, baby. That's the Marlins way, man. And that's, we digress. And we digress. Let's let's. Let's hope that the Marlins can get both of these games against Tampa Bay, right? Because Tampa Bay is a good team. Even though they've lost two straight, they're still a really good team. Let's go out there and, and prove that we have that that medal, right, to compete. And, sure. and then come home and use that energy to be uh, a bad Detroit team, bro. A bad Detroit team. Let's see. Uh, need it, got to have it. Yeah, absolutely. Talking about needing it. Um dog, we, we needed it. We needed this dude like we never knew. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about Lionel's, Lionel Messi. Uh, when we, when he got here, the the main thing that I knew that was going to change for this team is the exposure, right? That's going to be the biggest thing. Uh, they already have 10 million followers on Instagram. The ticket prices are going up. The international stars are coming to see this guy, right? Like Serena Williams was here, LeBron James, Kim Kardashian, Tristan Thompson, like everybody who was anybody was at Drive Pink Stadium last Friday, dog, which is crazy yeah, to me. It was it was definitely a sight to to see. And the crazy part is he didn't play for the majority of the game. Which was kind of expected, right? Like we knew that this was gonna be Messi's debut, right? We were um, into Miami CF was playing Cruz Azul in the in the League's Cup, first game of the League's Cup, and we're both in the same group. Um but yeah, you couldn't have fucking written a better script for this game. All the hype surrounding Messi. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? How many minutes? You know what I mean? Is he fresh? Is he in type of shape? What type of shape is he in? Is he going to have that chemistry? Do they play Busquets, who just got in the other day too? And him, Messi, and Busquets both came into the game in the 54th minute. And his impact was immediately felt on the field. Immediately felt on the field because... You can just tell, and I know you don't watch a lot of soccer, but you can just tell when somebody comes in and motivates the guys around them to be like, all right, now we got a boost of energy. Like, hey, this dude's in the game. Something's about to happen. So just be ready. And in order for you to be ready, you have to be mentally focused, right? And got to be giving your all. And I got, and I feel like those guys got a boost. Um, even though the team did allow a goal from the corner um, to tie the game up after Robert Taylor put him up in the first half, uh, you know, everybody was just expecting a moment of magic from Messi. Everybody was waiting for that moment, dog, to be like, yo, this dude's going to hit a crazy goal. He's going to make a crazy assist. And he did not disappoint. He did not disappoint, dog. It came down to the very end. Yeah. But yeah. it happened. But it did happen. And and the cool shit about it is, like, it's literally the most messiest thing that he could have done. <laughs> Wild to say it like that, right? It's the most messy thing that he could have done. Uh, he drew the foul, right? Right outside the box, which was about maybe 30 yards, 28 yards away from the goal, which on the left-hand side, which is the perfect spot where he loves to put the ball when it comes to a free kick. He has a bunch of room to kick the ball over to the wall and put it right into the corner. 
And and then dog, they called the foul. Mind you, it was the last minute of extra time. So they played until 90 and it, like plus two minutes. And this was like at the 92nd minute. It was like 92 or one when the guy called the foul. And Messi lining it up and puts the ball down. I'm like, dog, there's no way. There's no way he makes this. I even put it in my chat like, yo, there's no way this guy makes this. Like, how else like do you write this, dog? Like, this, this isn't like scripted. This is real life happening right now. Sure enough, buddy, look. Uh, let me take a look. Ah, guys, start celebrating. We got this. Sure enough, beautiful left-footed free kick right over the wall into the top corner on the left-hand side. And that stadium fucking erupted, which is crazy to say, to say that because that stadium only holds like 20,000 people. Less, I think. Though. Way less. I'm just throwing a big number out there for that little-ass stadium. Yeah. And everybody there... Could have been heard from miles away, dog, from how loud they were cheering. Nah, it was a moment, man. It was a hell of a moment. It was all over. I mean, it took over the internet for that for that night, for Friday night. Yep. Uh, all you could, you know, hear about is, you know, all the stars that were there and then, you know, Messi winning the game. And it, it just, it's no longer, you know, inner Miami CF. This is Team Messi. Like, <laughs> like, that's it. You know what I mean? Like, that's, all, that's all that anybody cares about, bro. So now it's going to get viewership. It's, it's going to do exactly what they wanted. Because now, you know, people are going to tune into Apple TV to Facts. watch Messi play on this team, especially here in, in Miami. But then internationally, you have all these Argentinian fans. You know, they're coming off the World Cup win. Yeah. Those guys want to see Messi play. That's their guy. That is the GOAT. They want to see every single second of that guy on the pitch. So... This is only going to lead to good things. Absolutely. And and he's giving you what you came to see. He always will. No, he's no. The goat. It doesn't, like, I'm saying, like, bro, soccer's a hard sport to score in, right? So, obviously, you're not going to get goals every game. But what you want is the chance to create magic. And, and Messi did that. He came in, first couple of touches, was already, get, like, ping-ponging the ball back and forth, beating defenders easily. And you don't even notice the guy that he's passing the ball to. But it just flows like anything else that has ever been in the MLS. So, yeah, this dude is obviously changing the game for MLS. Let me ask MLS. you this question for the ignorant soccer fans like myself. Who's the best player, aside from Messi, who just joined the MLS, uh-huh. who's the best player in the MLS? Probably Vera. Um, he's one of the strikers from L.A. Football Club. How many leagues above Vera is Messi? Oh, dog, it's not even... It's not fair to compare those two, dog. So, like... It's not fair. So, my point of saying that is, like... This is expected, at least for me, like not knowing what I know about the very little I know about soccer. It's like <laughs> this is a, a, a man amongst boys here. For dog. sure. You know, the way this guy plays the game, views the game, lives the game. You know, like this is a whole different animal that we're dealing with. Like we shouldn't be surprised. We should be enjoying every single second of it. And, and if you are occasionally surprised, but don't don't be too surprised because um. this guy has it written all over him that he's he's. The greatest of all time. Yeah, and he's going to deliver. Every time. He's going to deliver. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to make the pass. He's going to put the goal. He's going to get the hockey assist sometimes, you know. But he's always going to deliver. And I felt like with all the pressure that was surrounding him, he was still so grounded, right? Because when when Taylor scored the goal, he got up and cheered. He was like, yeah, let's go. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is a dude that doesn't really know that kid, but wants to support him, wants to support the team. 
and is willing to do whatever it is that the team needs. You need me to cheer right here from the bench? No problem, dog. You need me to hit a, a free kick in the 93rd minute? No problem. I'll hit it. But I'm going to do whatever the team needs. And it's just going to elevate the the form of the team, how, how they're perceived by the rest of the MLS and the world, right, as far as soccer goes. It's just crazy to, to know the impact and to see the impact every game that this guy's having. Um, for me, the coolest shit of that evening was after he scored the goal, he ran and celebrated with his kids. You know what I mean? Like sometimes when he was at Barcelona, couldn't really do that too much because they're far from the field, right? They're usually a lot more separated or he's they're up somewhere else in the stands. Like his kids got a chance to be like on the sidelines and see that shit, you know, like look at Poppy. You know, oh, cool shot, Poppy. Dope. I could have made that easier. You know what I'm saying? They have that type of relationship, but just shows you how comfortable he already is in Miami and with uh, with the pressure all around him and just putting on a, a performance like he did, he was still conscious enough to be like, let me go chill with my boys for a little bit. And I thought that was the coolest moment of the evening, man. And um, yeah, bro, Instagram was flooded with all the videos and all the different angles of him kicking the free kick. It was dope, man. And I, I'm, I'm excited to see what he continues to bring not only to the MLS, right, but to Inter Miami CF, bro. That's the most important thing. Is he going to be able to turn us into a winner? Because the other franchises down here in South Florida, uh, more specifically South Miami, they're trying to win. You know what I mean? Every, every single effort is being made to win. The Marlins, they're making efforts to win. Heat, we just saw them in in the finals. Panthers, we just saw them in the finals. You know what I mean? Dolphins made the playoffs on pace to make the playoffs and make a bigger run this year. We're seeing these teams and these franchises raise the level of of expectations for their fan base, and I'm sure that Messi is definitely on board with raising that level. Okay. We're going to be able to watch it tonight by the time that we're recording, Tuesday. They're playing Atlanta United FC in another League Cup uh, match. And I saw he's starting, right? Yeah, he might be starting that night. He's going to be starting. In my opinion, I think he's going to start. Why not, man? Why, why leave that guy on the bench? You know what I mean? Like, put him out there and let's see what he can do. And, and again, dude, this guy's impact is just fucking out of this world. You, you're saying this is going to be Team Messi. They already started to make moves to bring in Jordi Alba, which is a left back, right? One of the best left backs in the world that soccer has seen. And he's coming in for a million dollars, dog, to play in Miami for $1.6 million. This is one of the best soccer players in the world at one point. It just shows you the impact to be like, oh, Messi is here? Ah, that, I'll take the veterans minimum. Bro, pay me whatever you want, dog. I just want to go chill with my dog and, and, and play some soccer. You know what I'm saying? Busquets did it. And now, today, it was reported that the Luis Suarez is also on his way to enter Miami, right? They're getting that deal done with Gremlin, the Brazil team that he, he currently plays for. So, yeah, man, like, this team is getting put together. And I'm sure that the rest of South America, right, which is where a majority of the MLS players come from, like, those guys are looking at Miami as a real destination and telling their agents, like, yo, send me there, bro. I'm trying to be there so I can learn from this guy and play on one of the best teams in the world. I mean, give me some of the cities with MLS teams. Uh, right off like the bat, Dallas. Chicago. Chicago's huge. Chicago's a fun city. Give me somewhere else. Give me somewhere remote. Uh, New York. They put That's they they put on well it's not remote no if you're talking about remote Columbus Ohio, Ohio? ain't nobody in there <laughs> come on son but what I'm saying nobody is, going to Columbus Ohio dog but, uh, no for sure but what I'm saying is like when Messi shows up and he was playing if he was playing for Columbus Ohio guess what everybody in South America Columbus. would be going for sure Columbus, for sure right so nobody's gonna do that bro of course not of Ohio course not sucks let's see let's hope let's hope that make, Messi makes it two for two right. Two games played, two wins, two League Cup matches, two wins, uh, and just build a momentum before they get back into the MLS season, you know, and, and hopefully make a run 
for that as well. Make the playoffs. That that should be fun, man, in my opinion, bro. I'll be, I'll be definitely tuning in. Right? Right? Uh, shout out to Messi, man. Keep doing your thing, my boy. Even though you're turning Miami into a mini Barcelona over here, dog. Um, let's now that we're talking about Europe, right? Let's talk about the open that was happening this weekend in the UK at the Royal Liverpool Golf Club. Um, a lot of big names in this major in the last major tournament of the season. Kind of a boring major. Kind of a boring major because it was dominated, dog. And yeah. we haven't seen some type of domination like that in quite some time, my boy. Yeah, well, we have the first major of the year, the Masters. You know, John Rahm takes it down, but the storyline is John Rahm, Brooks Kepka, mm-hmm. and, you know, and the, the fighting back and forth, the battling of it, you know, until kind of Brooks kind of laid down on Sunday. Um, and then, and John Rahm kind of, you know, just kind of coasted and won it. Second major of the season, we have the U.S. Open, or no, the PGA Championship, I'm sorry. Uh, that one, Brooks Kepka, you know, the storyline going into it. Can he close out? He does. You know, he's able to, you know, out, outstand the rest of the field. And it was close in that last it was, day. It was still it was competitive close, the whole weekend. Not crazy close, yep. but competitive. And then here we go, the third major of the year, the U.S. Open. You Wyndham got Ricky Clark. Fowler out there. All up in You it. got Wyndham Clark out there. Is Ricky going to win his first major on tour? Wow. His first win in I don't know how long and all that stuff. And then Wyndham Clark just kind of comes in from behind and lights it up and takes it. Right. So they all been kind of exciting. Brian Harmon had the lead. Every day, dog. And never look back. Like, and you know what's crazy? Waggled this club a million times and just. <laughs> that won. shit was funny. The waggle count was funny. But that shot shows you how much he's dominating. We're like, well, if this guy's going to be on TV all the time, we might as well find something else to talk about, right? Besides the golf game or the fact that he's ahead by so many strokes. And every day, Joel, he was ahead by five to six strokes. Every day. Every day. You know? And, and at one point, one of the announcers was like, man, this guy's. You know, at minus 10 right now, and I didn't think we would see anybody in the double digits. You know what I mean? Because of how hard the conditions are. And I don't know about you, man. I was looking at that win and how that shit was taking an effect on so many golf balls. And I'm like, bro, I'm just thinking to myself, like me and the guys that I play with, we definitely would have been trying to fucking drive everything because there's there's, that's the only way to cut under that win. You have to be a real master at golf to get the right spin on the ball, hit good shots. And we still saw all these guys hitting into the rough, trying to get out of the rough, finding themselves in those bunkers right before the green. It was just... Just yeah, a tough, pop, tough hole, man. The pop bunkers and links golf suck, but what sucks more is internal out of bounds, dog. And yes. this course had a lot of that where people on the first tee, bro, the first tee you have internal OB going down the right side and then a fence on the outside. Yep. And I think it was somebody like Tyrrell Hatton that like blocked one out right, went into the internal OB. Was his ball was in play, but it was OB. Right. Then he puts one in the fence, and then he like blocked one 100 yards left, like the other OB. And, and then you're like, already bro. five strokes down before you like, before you even get to the green on the first hole. It's like, bro, my first ball was up. It's just you guys decided to paint a little line that decides that that's out of bounds. Like, I hate you guys. Nah, for sure. And, and you know what? I I'm glad you brought that up because I noticed that on the first tee, usually everybody breaks out the driver. You know what I mean? Everybody breaks out the driver. Nah, a nah. lot of dudes were hitting six irons, five irons, just to get it in the fairway. And not only get it on the fairway, but low. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because let it run, let it, let it run and let it ride. Because if you were trying to hit that ball high and far in the air, via Condios, that, that ball was going wherever the hell the wind the took wind it. The wind was wanting it to go. Because, it, bro, it's when you have a little bit of spin on your ball, you know, if you cut the ball, which is a spin to the. Uh, I mean, what would it be? Counterclockwise? Yeah, it would be a it would be a counterclockwise rotation. You're going to exacerbate that with the wind, so right. it's going to push it even, even further, more. right? And vice versa. 
So you That's have what? to know how to hit the ball in the wind. And um, Brian Harmon was the best at doing it this weekend, man. He I mean, it was it. wild. He's slowly been climbing up. He's kind of a journeyman. He's been around for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, and he hasn't really done, you know, anything significant on the PGA Tour as far as like a major. This is his first major victory. Um, he's won before on tour. But right. again, nothing to this magnitude with this field. You know, you talk about the best players in the world are in this field, bro. And he was able to win by six strokes, homie. Yeah, man. Comfortably. Comfortably, you know, and, and you, you mentioned something, man. He's he's definitely on the upward progress swing, right? Yeah, first time inside the top 10 in his career, right? Huge. Wins a big major, right? A tough major to go out there and play really well, which he did. Um, he's the 26th ranked player in the world right now. So oh, no, that was before the win. That was before the win. Yeah. But I'm just saying, a guy whose trajectory is pointing in the right direction. And yeah, you got to be happy when you have a six stroke margin and you become the first player uh, since Tiger Woods to have, you know, such a large uh, margin of victory in, in, in your championship. Um, and that happened in 2000 when Tiger won by eight strokes at, at the Open Championship. And he's also the oldest first time major winner since Sergio Garcia did it in 2017. So, yeah, maybe, you know, Brian has found something in his game that makes him more calm. Right when he's time to perform against some of the big dogs, and his dominance this weekend was just nice to see, bro. It's nice to see somebody out else go out there that's not a big name and and dominate a four day weekend, a four day weekend, yeah, you know, yeah. not two days. No, yeah, and, and he did it too, bro. I mean, part of it was with that big ass putter that he has, bro, that ugly ass fighter <laughs> that he has. He missed. He only missed one putt Puts inside of ten weekend. feet all week. Wow. To, to go 38 for 39 or whatever it was for putts inside of 10 feet for the week, bro, is sick. Ridiculous, sick. bro. That's a, like, sick. that is elite. Like, that's what makes the difference right there for the pros. Yeah. Is the guys that can do that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I do it, you know, 70% of the time. That guy did it 99% of the time, yeah. bro. And, and you, you know, you mentioned against doing it against the elites. Uh, he staved off runs from Jason Day, who finished tied for second. Tom Kim, Seb Straka, and even... Former world number one, John Rahm, who came back after a bad first two days, came back in that third and fourth round and really put himself in a position where he can possibly make an attempt or make a run at, at Brian, but he just didn't have enough. The course was too hard. The nah, course was too hard, he, bro. He just got, he got, he played well at the right time and was able to, you know, get enough of a gap that the, the course didn't give up to the field later on. Like nobody else got that. There was a few good Saturday rounds out there. Um, on moving day, but it still wasn't enough, you know, to, to, to help them, you know, close that gap. Um, but yo, you know, let's talk about some picks. Let's talk about, I want to talk some picks, dog. It's funny that both of our favorites pick, right? Did terrible, terrible. Uh, my pick was Uh, Brooks. One more than the other. Yes, but both bad, right? Compared to the dark horses that we had. My pick, Brooks Kepka, he ended up playing tie for 64th. Um, Never shot below a 70. Yeah. And this is a dude who who has a quote-unquote power game that you would think he'd be able to really push some drives. Rory, too, like really knock some balls out there and, and kill the wind with that power and speed. But he wasn't just, he was just out of it, man. By day two, he was completely out of it. Yeah, yeah, Ricky too. Ricky had a really good Saturday round at a 67, uh, but he finished 23rd. Yeah. Tied for 23rd, so not the best. No. Uh, the dark horses, though. They did well. They did They did better than the favorites. I mean, for sure. Uh, my dark horse was Victor Hovland, which I was super happy with that pick. I think he, he, I thought that he was one of the guys who really played well the entire weekend, right? A little bit 
better than others, but I thought, I thought he ended up playing really well. Um, he finished tied for 13th, and he shot, a, I think, a weekend low of 66 on that Saturday. So he was definitely do, uh, dialed into the course, yeah. but that Sunday was just rough, man, rough. People yeah. couldn't get out of their own way. Missing putts, um, finding balls. like Shit, I would even argue... Hot- that Hovland, you could have picked Hovland as the favorite. Over For sure, Brooks he could have been one of the favorites. Because he, he's only second to Scotty Scheffler right now as far as all four majors this year, lowest score to par. Nice. I think Scotty's like 16 under through all four, and I think Hovland's like 14 under. Yeah, he's right there. So he, he's played really well all year. Um, he, you know, the 13, I think the tie for 13 finish was maybe his worst finish in the majors this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know, that Saturday round was pretty good for him. That was memorable. What about your dark horse pick? Uh, bro, I was happy with mine. I think he was the best one out of all the picks that we had. Cam yeah. Young, he finished tied for eighth. Had a great Saturday round. I looked. He was at the top of the leaderboard. He was up there. I was like, oh, shit, look at that. You know, Cam Young, you know, a guy that hasn't really been relevant this year. One of the long hitters, this and that. I just kind of, you know, threw a shot out there like Kobe. And I see <laughs> this guy in there. And Sunday, he just had a really, really rough Rough round on Sunday. Took him out of it. Everybody did except for Brian, dog. Yeah. Everybody struggled on Sunday except for Brian, bro, which makes his win even more impressive, man. Because like I said, in order to go out there and dominate an entire weekend of golf, you use not to say that it hasn't been done and we've seen it, but usually it's the guys that are in the top three of the world, top five in the world. This dude came out of left field for all account and purposes, but he really did come out of left field in yeah. order to play dominating golf the entire weekend at such a hard course. Yeah, when you hear the name as a golf fan, you hear the name Brian Who is Hartman, that guy? You don't, you don't think domination. Yeah. My, by the way, the fan duel did not do that great. No. <laughs> it did yeah. not do don't great. Don't mention that. Don't mention and, that. Uh, and whoever had Brian on their fan duel, congratulations, yeah, you dog. Killed it. Uh, you, you killed it. You killed it. You killed um, it. Dog, one thing, you know, I, I want to say, so obviously, again, we got the four major winners now. We yep. got... John Rahm, Brooks Kepka, um, Wyndham Clark, Wyndham Clark, and now uh, Brian. Brian Harmon. How raw would it be, bro, if golf had a tournament with just those four? Just those four guys. A little two v two, something like no, an individual. Like, no, no, individual, but like so, pair them up. Too. Like do something with the four major champions every year. Do some sort of event. A super golf. Something, something why haven't they ever? I wonder Let's if stop talking about it. We're, we're gonna put a pin in it and send that proposal to the, the PGA to the, to the USGA. Yeah, the we're, PGA gonna, we're gonna put a pin on it. The Augusta National the hell Committee, yeah. that shit would be badass, I right? Know. You imagine we get John Rom, Brooks Kapka. I mean, these other two guys are Bro, kind and, of, and truth be told, they could even do it like that. Um, like at Las Vegas, you know, do that big style yeah, with, win. yeah, you know what I mean? The match, like a match, something like that. Yeah, that shit would be badass. Put it, let's put a pin on uh, that. Be dope. Let's, let's put a pin on that, that man. Be dope, dog. Um, you know what? I gotta use the bathroom. All right, let's take I a quick pause. I can't wait. Oh, uh, and marker the marker. Oh, all right, we're back, and we're back, and now it's time to finish with the uh, fighter of the year. Boxing is going down this weekend. Shout out to Victor Bermudez, man. He joined me on the Fight Rewind to preview uh, Errol Spence Jr. versus Terrence Bud Crawford. It's going down this Saturday, July 29th. Um, bro, this is easily, easily the fight of the year in like the last three years, five years. Damn. Yeah, bro, because you got, you know, and I don't want to give too much away. Go watch the episode that we did. It's amazing. Shout out to Vic. Like I said, man, this guy's knowledge when it comes to boxing is just outmatched, man. It, it, it really is like nobody could touch this guy. Um, but with this boxing event that we have this Saturday, bro, you have two guys that are champions in their primes going after, 
legacy and history. When you when you combine those three things in boxing, you always end up with something magical. And this fight is going to be amazing. Um, the welterweight division is stocked with talent, stocked with talent. You have so many guys at 147, so many guys that can fight at 147, 140, 154. And, and to see the top two dogs really go at it, like we're going to see this Saturday, is just crazy, bro. Um, Spencer ha- uh, Spence has the WBC IBF and WBA belt. Crawford is bringing in the WBO belt. And somebody's going to walk away this champion as the undisputed welterweight champion um, this Saturday. So Spence has, he puts up all three of those belts? All three of those belts, though. Because, you know, you know how boxing works with the different commissions and shit like that. And there's the Ring Magazine, which I think Crawford has. But, like, you want the four major ones. And those are the four majors. The WBA, WBO, um, WBC and the IBF. You want those four titles in order to be that un- quote unquote undisputed champion. And for me, you know, when I talked to Vic about the fight, um, I was more interested in in how these guys were going to approach the fight. Are they going to be looking for a knockout? Are they going to be conscious? Are they going to extend that feeling out period more into the fight? Or are they going to shorten it and say, you know what, let's use this first round of touchy touch. And then that second round, I'm going all in. I wonder what's going to be the game plan for these guys. In my opinion, I really do think that one of these guys are going to be looking for the knockout. Strictly because there's already a uh, rematch clause in the contract. Like, there's going to be a rematch. So we're going to get to see this amazing fight two times. Um, Hopefully I'm there for the next one. I can't be there for this one, obviously. Um, But yeah, you know, you got Crawford, who's a hard hitter, known for finishing fights, a guy who really hurts and damages people, knocks dudes out versus one of the most skillful boxers when it comes to defense and offense and mixing them up when you when you look at, at Spence. And um, yeah, man, I, it, it didn't surprise me to know who Vic picked and why he picked him. Again, mm. you got to go out there and watch it. I'm not going to give it away here. No spoilers like my boy Joel says. But yeah, it makes sense. And, and, and which leads me to ask you, like, you're not really big into boxing, but you've heard of these names and you've seen them perform. If you had to lean on one or the other, and I gave you a hundred bucks to bet, who would you put it on? Ah, uh, man, if it's really a coin flip for me, man, honestly, mm. you know what I mean? Um, I don't know these guys in depth like that. Um, but I think Earl Spence is who I would lean towards if I had to pick one. Right. Well, I'm not well, sure why, but I think that's, that's who I'm, I'm leaning towards. I mean, it makes sense, bro, because currently, almost always when you see a, a, a boxing promotion, the guy who's the A side, right? The guy on, on the left side, the guy who gets his name put first, the guy who gets his, you know, the usually has all the belts and all that stuff, gets the more majority of the, the purse and stuff. Usually the A side is the dominant guy, the guy who's going to win no matter what. But in this fight, it's almost like a 51 to 49 advantage, if not 50-50, because both of these guys are huge. The only difference is that Spence has been in more pay-per-view fights, right, under the big lights. And um, everybody can have a game plan until you get hit in the face, quote Mike Tyson, right? And then you got to switch it up. Which one of these guys are going to be able to switch up their style that night, right, and maybe deal with something that they weren't necessarily expecting from the other guy? It's such an interesting fight, and I, I really got to well, commend I mean, both of these guys for doing it. Let me ask you this. If you had to say, like, to 
the uneducated, ignorant boxing fan like myself, <laughs> you know, each one of these guys' specialties mm-hmm. and what they bring to the, to the table as far as a fight is concerned, what, what would you say? I think that for Crawford is the power. He He's going to hurt you. He's going to slow you. He's going to hit you so hard, and he's going to slow you down to the point where he p- finishes you, right? With... With Spence is his ability to box and play de- and, and defend in order to drag you into the deep waters. 11th round, 12th round, where you're tired and you can't really block the jab anymore. And now he's thrown his 900th jab at you in that fight. You know what I mean? That's his ability. I don't know which one is going to crumble first because they're so different styles. They're not, they're not comparable when it comes to styles. So it's going to be a, a, a battle of the of the mind, a real chess match that's live while we're watching it on Saturday night. But if if for the un, uneducated boxing fan, I would look at Spence and just and just point to the fact that look how he plays defense, look how he's always active and trying to win rounds and trying to stay in in front of his opponent. But is willing to take a little bit of punishment in order to give a little bit of punishment, right? Take a little bit to give more. Take a little bit to give more. Will he be willing to take some punishment from for Spence? Because, yeah, Spence hasn't knocked somebody out in like six years, but he still has that power. And if you come in, you know, um, undisciplined, throwing wild punches, not really covering up the in those moments of weaknesses, you're going to find yourself being knocked down, if not out, by one of these guys. But if he hasn't knocked somebody out in so long... That's like Manny. Manny Pacquiao, you know, went a long streak without knocking somebody out, and then his... You know, finished three guys in a row. Triple G, another dude, right, who knocked out a bunch of guys, didn't really finish nobody. And then, boom, he he knocks somebody down or out before he fights Canelo. Same thing with Canelo. We've seen it a bunch where he'll have three fights in a row where he doesn't really finish somebody, and then, boom, he comes out and destroys the next two guys that he fights and knocks them out. It comes in waves, you know? And I think that a lot of the times, boxers have to make a conscious decision to say, yes, I'm going to go for the knockout of this guy, or no, I'm not going to go for the knockout of this guy. Which leads me back to the thing I said earlier in this session uh, of this topic. I do think that one of these guys is going to put it all on the table and say, fuck it, I'm going for the knockout. At some point, fuck it, I'm going for the knockout. And if I had to put money on it, I think it would be Spence because Crawford would be more aggressive, right? He's going to be more aggressive this fight and Spence can just catch him coming in. You know what I mean? Where he catches him being reckless and says, here's a hook. Good night. I can see that happening. I was going to say the other way around because it sounds, you know, everything you've kind of laid out is it sounds like Spence is more of a surgeon who's going to dissect you and pick you apart, kind of like a Floyd, you know what I mean? Kind of wear you out, wear you down. Whereas uh, Crawford, you know, he sounds like, a, you know, kind of like a a brute um, force, you know, kind of like, a, a, what's his face, um, Deontay Wilder, Wilder. You know, where he, where he has that power. one punch power factor, so... If I had to guess who's going to come in there, it's probably going to be the guy that doesn't want to go and take it to distance, you know, with a guy like, you know, Spence, who has the resume that he has. Yeah. He probably wants to end that that fight as early as possible and not get worn down because sure. those punches that he throws are going to take a lot of energy out of him. So he's probably, I would I would say Crawford probably is, is going to be the one to try to throw some early ones, but we'll Possibly. see. Possibly, we'll see, man. All I know is that it's going to be a great fight because both of these warriors are really coming out. World uh, class. Uh, they're world class, but they also want to make history, Joel, and that's yeah. part of it. You know what I mean? You got to go out there and put yourself against the best in order to really call yourself the best of an era or at the time. Yeah. Right? You want to be undisputed? You want to be that pound-for-pound pound king? Don't fight the sixth ranked guy, the eighth, go fight the guy who you know who could fuck you up. 
And both of these guys are doing that this Saturday. They're fighting somebody who poses a serious, serious threat to them and their career. And uh, I just think that it, it has to be commended that these guys are doing that. This is going to be the third, not super fight, but mega fight that we saw, right? We saw Haney and um, Lomachenko. We saw Ryan Garcia versus Gervonta Davis. Like, we're seeing these fighters saying, yeah, it's cool for me to say that I want to be the best, but I have to actually go out there and prove it. And I have to put myself in uncomfortable positions. Ryan took that loss, but guess what? He, not only did he make a bag, I think it was around 33 M's that the dude weighed, but now he's got a new trainer, a new focus, new game plan. And now he's the next fight that he takes is also going to be another big fight, which is the same can be said for Javante Davis. He's looking for another super fight, whether it's Shakur Stevenson, one of these guys, Craw, uh, Crawford or Spence, like, all of these guys are realizing that there's money to be made and there's legacy to be had. So we have to really be happy as a boxing fan, whether you're a casual fan or a hardcore fan, you have to be happy that the best of the best are deciding to fight each other. And that's what boxing really needed, man. Oh, yeah. um, let's get a final prediction. Who do you take super fights? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Earl Spence. Junior. By decision or knockout? By decision. All right. I got Spence winning by knockout in the 10th. Mm. I feel it. I don't know why, but I feel like a late knockout dude coming from this guy. This guy is, is going to go out there and prove that he's that dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? He is the real A-side, and that's been the battle. Let's see, man. Go out there. Check it out on our YouTube channel. We got a complete breakdown of this fight by your boy right here, Soso, joined by Victor Bermudez, the legend of Hialeah. It's a great time. A quick video, 20 minutes. You're not going to regret yep, it. Yep. Check it out. Uh, we do have to do a couple honor honorable mentions. Um, shout out to 365 Flag Football and their Wednesday Night League. Shout out to Steve. Um, we went out there last week and caught an amazing game, dog. What a fucking game. Yep. Overtime thriller. We can't wait to bring it to you guys on our YouTube channel. So currently working on it right now. So make sure to head over to YouTube and hit that notification button. So as soon as we drop it, you'll get that notification. Yeah. Drone footage, y'all. Drone footage at 365. Stop playing with hey. me, man. We're killing it out there. Um, also, this Saturday, UFC 291, uh, Poirier versus Gaethje 2. Um, this is for the BMF title, which George uh, is personally taking up to New York uh, to hand it to the winner, man, which I think is pretty cool, right? Because he won the BMF title when it first came out. And uh, yeah, this fight is going to be excited. I, I'm, I'm really rooting for Dustin. I think this dude is in the peak of his MMA career, but that dude Gaethje can knock fools out man and uh, he got embarrassed by Dustin the first time that they fought so I'm wondering what, what he's gonna bring um this fight on Saturday I'm rooting for Austin Austin <laughs> that's a good one there you go that's a good one um Dolphins training camp bro coming to life right in front of our eyes uh got players reporting and shit we're getting ready to ramp up OnlyFans um got our new Format coming out soon. Like we got so much stuff that we got planned for OnlyFans. Just cooking, we're cooking, man. And this Dolphin season is is officially, officially, unofficially underway. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of unofficial, right? <laughs> but it is, man, because this is where people get excited. We start to look at injuries. Who's playing where? Right? What's the depth chart looking she, like? You know what's got me hype? What's got you hype, my dog? Have you seen quarterback on Netflix? I haven't yet. I've been saving it. I've been saving uh, it. I'm don't save it too long. I'm not. I'm just. I just want to binge it one. Day and get six hours of fucking like NFL, hours, bro. I, I want episodes. it. I but want it straight to the vein, dog. Bro, but it's dope. I started watching it the other day. It's super dope, and it got me pumped for football season. Bro. Hell yeah, man! And this fun. This season's gonna be fun, bro. And we're gonna have a lot of fun on OnlyFans. Um, more news to come as we, like I said, continue to grow the show and, and do bigger and better things. 
as we do here on Sports with Soso, man. Uh, before we wrap up, we also got to shout out the uh, U.S. women's national team. Got off to a good start, winning 2-0 in the World Cup, and now they're going to be taking on the Netherlands. Big game for them Wednesday at 9 p.m. Make sure you guys are tuned in and supporting. Um, the winner of this game probably wins the group, so if USA is looking to get a favorable matchup into that round of 16, they're going to have to show up against Netherlands and really put together some good performances back-to-back, so shout out to the ladies. Let's oh, go yeah. out there and get that three-peat. Let's go, ladies. Let's go, ladies. Um, and now it's officially time to tell a friend. To tell a friend. To tell another friend. To tell everybody that they know. To tell everybody that they know about this amazing podcast and what we're bringing to you on a weekly basis. Man, I said it numerous times already on this program. Make sure you head into the YouTube channel. Hit the subscription button. Make sure the notifications are on because we're bringing you guys a ton of content. And trust me, it's top notch. Until next time, y'all. Peace. Peace.